0: having a good day so far. I know our nation has experienced so much these first 27 days of the new year and I know we have much more work to do. Put our differences aside and really work together. Listen to one another to get things done. So welcome to my fourth episode of season 2. Today is Wednesday January 27th 2021. My name is Sanal Patel, and this is the Paint the Medical Picture podcast series. Now, do you need my refresher tips for coding for the new COVID-19 vaccines? Well, look no more. I get into it in this episode. And I also discuss the month of January's OIG, criminal and civil enforcement cases involving fraud, waste, and abuse. And I also share some fitting wise words from our late, great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. If you've checked me out on LinkedIn, you know I'm all about compliance and protecting our physicians and valued healthcare professionals when it comes to the business of medicine. I hope this week with me brings you enough to take back to your organizations to want to dive in deeper, to use my tips and best practices to ensure success. I hope this podcast will help you boost the quality of documentation capture and improved coding accuracy as you help your providers paint the medical picture. If you like what you're hearing, go ahead and hit that subscribe button now so you don't miss an episode. Please write in a review and rating on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to my podcast. I'd really love your support. Now, a quick disclaimer. Before I get started on the episode, This podcast episode and Nexen Pruitt podcast series do not constitute legal advice. But I am fortunate to work with sound healthcare attorneys at Nexen Pruitt, and as their consultant, I have over 10 years of experience in front office, back end, coding, and billing for multi-specialty physicians, compliance and auditing for both E&M and surgical operative reports. Again the opinions and insights throughout are mine alone, and they in no means constitute legal advice. So, let's get into Newsworthy. The month of January saw 13 fraud, waste, and abuse cases as of the recording of this episode. Early January saw illegal oxycodone distribution cases. One was even allegedly involved in a greater drug trafficking ring. And another case where the physician knowingly and intentionally distributed controlled substances outside the usual course of professional practice and without a legitimate medical purpose. There was a genetic lab test case that allegedly violated the False Claims Act by submitting or causing to be submitted claims for genetic tests to Medicare without valid physician oversight. There were also kickback schemes and False Claims Act allegations by the handsful throughout the nation, involving both type 2 diabetes drugs, genetic testings, and telemedicine services. And there was also another two cases involving, in my opinion, another medical device company's blatant disregard of medical coding, critical thinking, and correct coding application. But I'd like to highlight two cases that I find most interesting. First, there was a case where hospice, home health agency, and owners paid over $1.8 million to resolve claims allegedly concerning physician payments. So, since 2016, it was alleged that these founders offered compensation to their physicians who were responsible for a significant majority of their patient referrals. Specifically, they provided physicians with monthly payments pursuant to medical directorship agreements in the hospice and HHA. Now, those payments were allegedly in excess of fair market value for the services the the physicians actually provided. The founders also sold interests in the hospice to five different physicians, which ultimately netted them substantial quarterly dividends. They also provided physicians other gifts and benefits, like travel and tickets to sporting events. Let's remember the Physician Self-Referral Law, commonly known as the Stark Law, which prohibits specified entities from billing Medicare for certain services referred by physicians with whom the entity has a financial relationship, unless that relationship satisfies one of the law's statutory or regulatory exceptions also known as safe harbors. Also note, the anti-kickback statute, the AKS, prohibits offering or paying remuneration to induce the referral of items or services Medicare, Medicaid, and other federally funded programs cover. So then, both the Stark Law and the AKS statute are, att- are intended to ensure the best interests of the patient and that improper financial incentives do not compromise medical decision-making. The special agent in charge with the FBI stated, quote, the FBI is committed along with its partners to taking action to eliminate improper relationships and inducements that can corrupt the integrity of physician decision-making and increase healthcare costs, end quote. The special agent goes on to say, quote, Along with criminal prosecution, the FBI will also pursue administrative and civil remedies with the U.S. Attorney's Office and our partner investigative agencies to prevent, deter, and recover government losses sustained by fraud, waste, and abuse." End quote. Now, the second case I'm highlighting here involves DME yet again. The two defendants involved pled guilty to a multi-million dollar Medicare fraud scheme. The pair submitted more than $109 million in false and fraudulent claims for durable medical equipment, DME, such as arm, back, knee, and shoulder braces. They allegedly manufactured and submitted false and fraudulent Medicare claims by establishing shell companies in more than a dozen different states. They directed employees and even family members to serve as corporate directors and to use fictitious names when registering these shell companies as DME providers. These employees and family people had allegedly purchased Medicare patient data from foreign and domestic call centers that targeted elderly patients and instructed call centers to contact the Medicare patients with an offer of ankle, arm, back, knee and or shoulder braces at little to no cost. The pair then submitted Medicare claims for those patients without obtaining a prescriber's order to ensure that the braces were medically necessary. It's further alleged that they submitted blatantly fraudulent claims, including claims for deceased patients and repeat claims for the same patient and the same DME. The pair failed to provide any DME for more than $7.5 million in claims submitted. When the pair did provide DME products to patients, they allegedly billed insurance policies more than 12 times the average price of the DME product. The pair further facilitated the fraud by answering frequent phone calls from Medicare patients who received DME supplies that they did not request, want, or need. They also responded to insurance companies' requests for prescribers' orders and medical records, which they were obviously unable to provide. The charging statute provides for a sentence of up to 10 years in prison, three years of supervised release, at a fine of $250,000. I know I will keep my eyes close on this case. Now, the month's cases showcase the facts that understanding CMS policies and guidelines, LCDs and NCDs are integral to demonstrating your practice's overall dedication to and ongoing maintenance of compliance. For DME, just like I discussed in Episode 7 and Episode 17 in Season 1, you must document according to the medical necessity of the device, and there must be a standard written order, an SWO, and a proof of delivery, a POD, for items such as the knee, shoulder, arm, and back braces involved in this case. So, I always believe these types of fraud, waste, and abuse cases are most helpful Take a deeper look into these reports and see how they may affect you, your provider, your facility. Start self-auditing your service claims and coordinating documentation to ensure you are meeting compliance. And now, it's time for my best practice tips in trustee tip. Now... This is a slight refresher. I provided my original compliance recommendations on COVID-19 vaccine coding and billing in season one, episode 11, back in November 2020. But I find many practices need to be even more vigilant of correct coding practices now that our vaccines of Pfizer and Moderna have actually received FDA approval and have rolled out and are in arms already. Hot off the press, though, and at the time of the recording of this episode, is the very soon-to-be FDA-approved, or EUA, issuance for the Johnson & Johnson Division of Janssen Pharmaceuticals COVID-19 vaccine. So, again, the AMA is publishing the new CPT codes now, in their press release, issued on January nineteenth, to ensure electronic systems across the U.S. healthcare system are updated and prepared for the prospect of FDA approval or authorization for emergency use of the Janssen COVID-19 vaccine. We need to remember to adhere to CPT coding guidelines, definitions, and maintain compliance for the use of these brand new codes, when we can use them and how we can use them. So remember, the CPT editorial panel also approved the additional six new category one codes new and revised guidelines, and parenthetical notes, and a new Appendix Q. These CPT codes were developed and based on extensive collaboration with the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services CMS, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention the (CDC), and are unique for each of two coronavirus vaccines, as well as coordinating administration codes unique to each such vaccine and dose and I'm talking about Pfizer and Moderna. The new CPT codes clinically distinguish each COVID-19 vaccine for better tracking, reporting, and analysis that supports data-driven planning and allocation. So again, remember these six new codes are CPT codes 0001A, 0002A, 0011A, 0012A, and 91300 and 91301. Appendix Q is titled Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus 2, SARS CoV 2 for Coronavirus Disease COVID 19 Vaccines. It further describes the two new vaccines in CPT codes 91300 and 91301. 91300 is defined as severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus 2, SARS-CoV-2, coronavirus disease COVID-19, vaccine, messenger RNA, LNP, spike protein, preservative free, 0.3 milliliter dosage, diluent reconstituted for intramuscular use. The vaccine administration codes that accompany it are 001A for the first dose, 0002A for the second dose. The vaccine manufacturer is Pfizer. Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine. The national drug code or NDC numbers are 59267-1000-1 and also 59267- one zero 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 dash 0, 1, respectively. The dosing interval is for 21 days. Now CPT code nine one three zero one is defined as severe acute respiratory syndrome, coronavirus two, SARS-CoV-2, coronavirus disease, COVID-19 vaccine, messenger RNA, LNP, spike protein, preservative free, milliliter dosage for intramuscular use. The vaccine administration codes that accompany it are 0011A for the first dose, 0012A for the second dose. The vaccine manufacturer is Moderna. The NDC numbers are, again respectively, 80777-273-10 and 80777-0273-10. And the dosing interval is for 28 days. These codes will also be located in the medicine section of the CPT Codebook in the 2022 publication. Additional introductory and instructional information for codes 001A, 0002A, 0011A, 0012A, and 91300 and 91301 can be found in the Immunization Administration for Vaccines Toxoids and Vaccines Toxoids Guidelines in the Medicine section of the CPT code set. Note, all six of these new codes are now effective and can and should be coded and billed because of receipt of FDA approval for these vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna. Now, the new Janssen COVID-19 vaccine has been assigned the following Category 1 CPT code and long descriptor. CPT code 91303 for the Janssen COVID-19 vaccine is defined as Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, Coronavirus 2, SARS-CoV-2, coronavirus disease, COVID-19 vaccine, DNA, spike protein, adenovirus type 26 vector, preservative-free, 5 by 1010 viral particles, 0.5 milliliter dosage for intramuscular use. Now, in addition to the new vaccine-specific product CPT code, the Janssen COVID-19 vaccine has been issued a vaccine administration CPT code as well, that is specific to its one-dose immunization schedule. This CPT code is used to report the actual work of administering the vaccine, in addition to all necessary counseling provided to patients or caregivers and updating the electronic medical record. The Janssen COVID-19 vaccine has been assigned the following vaccine administration CPT code and long descriptor. It is CPT code 0031A and it's defined as immunization administration by intramuscular injection of severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus 2, SARS-CoV-2, coronavirus disease, COVID-19 vaccine, DNA spike protein, adenovirus type 26 vector, preservative-free, 5x1010 viral particles, 0.5 milliliter dosage, single dose. Now, by keeping up to date on all the new coding changes during this pandemic and understanding how to effectively document a clear, vibrant medical picture, a certified medical coder can abstract codes with accuracy. And finally, in this week's inspiring quote in Spark is from our late, great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who we just celebrated as a nation, as a world on January 18th. Everybody can be great because anyone can serve. Precisely, right? We all have opportunity within us to be great by serving others. We only have one life to live, so let's do as much as possible to make a personal and collective impact. I'm happy Dr. King's spark still burns brightly in all of us today. So that wraps up today's episode. Go out and do great things this week. Aim a little higher, do a little more, and give back in any way you can in 2021. There's so much each one of us can do. Remember to keep masking up, washing up, and staying physically distant. So as always, I appreciate you diving into today with me. And if you would like to inquire about my consultant services, you can always reach me through my email address at nexonpruitt.com. I'll leave links to everything in the show notes below. Please continue staying safe and healthy, practice safety for one and all during our collective life in the time of coronavirus. Thank you for listening in on today's episode, and I hope every week with me brings you closer to helping your providers paint a masterpiece. See you next Wednesday. If you want more information from me, go ahead and follow me on LinkedIn or send me an email at Sinal Patel at for all my consulting services in medical coding, auditing, and compliance. Thank you.